Today I'm going to be reading from Genesis 1, verse 26 through 2, verse 3. You guys can follow along in your Bible app or your uh, Bible. Then God said, let us make man in our own image and, our, and after our likeness. And let, the, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on God, on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in his creation. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and it is given to us in love. Well, good morning. As we look at our world today, as D.L. mentioned earlier, it's, it's easy for us to grow cynical and believe that things are increasingly getting worse. Crime is on the rise. The mass shootings that we've witnessed over the last weeks have been occurring what seems like every week. Racism is everywhere. Inflation is at an all-time high. Corrupt dictators like Putin and Xi use their power to dominate other countries. Natural disasters seem to be increasing. And the experts, they tell us that the earth one day is no longer going to be inhabitable. I didn't realize this, but Elon Musk, he started SpaceX because he believes that this earth is no longer going to be inhabitable and he wants us to transport to another planet. And if all of these things weren't discouraging and sad enough, we look at the church and we see the moral failure that is rampant among pastors and church leaders. We look at our government officials and see their moral failures. We see people saying for the first time in my lifetime that biology no longer determines gender. And marriage can be between any two love, loving, consenting partners. History can even be revised to fit whatever narrative or particular agenda someone wants to promise. In a nutshell, the media, Hollywood elites, and even some prominent Christians 
are promoting the idea that our world is getting worse. And one day it will burn up. But we as followers of Christ, we cannot forget that God is on his throne. We cannot forget that God has not abandoned his people nor abandoned creation. You see, God is writing an incredible story from Genesis to Revelation. And all along the way, he whispers Jesus' name. And we see God's kingdom growing. So from now until December, we're going to be walking through the Bible. And as we do, we're going to be leaning on the Jesus Storybook Bible. So I encourage you to read that with your kids and even for yourself. And my hope is that each week we, we passed out a reading uh, kind of guide that, that you would read the passages before we even come to preach on that Sunday. The Bible is the greatest story ever written. It far outpaces Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, the Harry Potter series, Shakespeare's plays, the classics Pride and Prejudice, Great Expectations. God's story is a story of hope. It's a story of forgiveness and redemption. And it reminds us that though the facts, yes, the facts, if we just look at the facts, it looks as if the world is getting worse. The truth is God is on the move. His kingdom is being established and this earth that we are on right now will not be destroyed but instead will be made new one of the last songs in the greatest showman um, Hugh Grant's character he's gone off he's lost everything he comes back and after losing everything he's greeted by these friends and they literally just bless him and welcome him back and he begins to have hope again. And listen to these few stanzas from the song that he sings. He says, I saw the sun begin to dim and felt that winter wind blow cold. A man learns who is there for him when the glitter fades and the walls won't hold. From now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the lights. From now on, what's waited till tomorrow starts tonight. It starts tonight. And let this promise in me start like an anthem in my heart from now on. And we will come back home. And we will come back home. Home again. So this morning, we are coming back home. We are remembering our roots, our story, and God's story. And it all begins in Genesis 1 and 2, a perfect home. And as we look at our text this morning, I want us to consider two things. First, the creator, and then secondly, the sub-creator. Let me pray for us. Lord, we are grateful that you have given us this ancient text, your word, your holy word. And we pray, Lord, that even though our hearts are sad as we look out at the world around us, as we look at our own lives, our own families, 
our hearts break. And yet we can be a people of hope. You are bringing renewal and restoration to our lives, to our families' lives, to our neighbors' lives, and to all of creation. And so help us in this dark time to be people of hope. To remind others that you are on the move, that you have not abandoned us. And Lord, we're grateful for Genesis 1 and 2, where it all begins. Give us ears to hear this text in new and fresh ways this morning. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I encourage you to open your Bibles, and if you haven't brought your Bibles, please start bringing your Bibles. Um, we're actually going to have um, some Bibles in the back, and if you need them, grab them. Um, and you can also look on your Bible app on your phone. So the first thing that we look at as we look at this text is the Creator. And I love how the Jesus storybook describes life before creation. It says this, In the beginning there was nothing. Nothing to hear. Nothing to feel. Nothing to see. Only emptiness and darkness. And nothing but nothing. Genesis 1, 2a says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Nothing but nothing existed. I mean, wrap your minds around that. The earth was empty, but as you read on in verse 2b, it says, The Spirit of God was hovering over it. Jesus' storybook says, like a mommy bird flutters her wings over her eggs to help her babies hatch, God hovered over the deep, silent darkness. And picture God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit hovering over the earth, pondering what they were about to create. And though certainly God could have just snapped his fingers and all of earth could be created instantly. But like a master sculptor, he took time. And he formed three kingdoms on days one, two, and three. He forms heavens. He forms the sky and sea. And he forms earth. And then he fills those three kingdoms with three kings. The sun and the moon and the stars the bird and the fish, and then lastly, the animals and man. God takes chaos and he brings forth order that even to this day, astronomers, scientists, doctors, they marvel over the beautiful complexity of it all. When I was at Carolina, uh, several of my friends took astronomy and I can remember them coming back day after day from class telling me how their professors, and I went to one of the most liberal universities that exists, UNC Chapel Hill, that their professors would actually tell them that there was no way that the stars and the moon and the universe could be created by a big bang. There had to be a higher power, and that higher power being the creator, God. 
Creation not only whispers Jesus' name, it declares his name. Paul writes this in Colossians 1, 16 through 17. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. God the Father, Jesus the Word, became flesh and the Holy Spirit, and they hovered over earth. And out of their love for one another and their desire to create something beautiful and radiant, they took what was nothing and made something good. The Jesus storybook says, God saw all that he had made, and he loved them. And they were lovely because he loved them. But God saved the best for last. From the beginning, God had a shining dream. I love this. God had a shining dream in his heart. He would make people to share his forever happiness. They would be his children And the world would be their perfect home. Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And he said, they are very good. You and I are the height of his creation. We are made in the very image and likeness of God. And we are called to share in God's forever happiness. God is the creator, and creation, it whispers his name. Paul in Romans 1.20 says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. 20 years ago, some buddies and I, we decided to go out to Arizona. And while we were in Arizona, we thought we would make the trek up to see the Grand Canyon. Now, I'd seen pictures of the Grand Canyon my whole life. I'd seen movies about the Grand Canyon, but I'd never actually seen the Grand Canyon itself. And I can remember as we made the trek up, there was an overview that we could pull over and look out over the canyon. And so we pulled over, we all got out, and we all stood on the edge of the rim. The sun was setting, and the vastness of the canyon is overwhelming. And as the sun kind of beamed off the rocks, you saw all these different red hues and the beauty. And then as I looked up, you saw these incredible blue sky, and you could hear birds flying through the canyon. And as you looked down, there was a, the Colorado River looked like a little itty-bitty stream going through this vast, amazing canyon. And I remember saying to my buddies, if I ever doubted God's existence, it's moments like these 
that I'm assured that God is the creator and how magnificent is his creation. So for those of us here this morning who might be struggling with doubt over the existence of God, the goodness of God, the beauty and wonder of God, as we look at our world and see all the pain and heartache, I want to encourage you this afternoon to go for a walk. I want to encourage you to look up at the beautiful clouds, the blue sky. Look at the trees around you and know that your God created all of it. Creation whispers to you that Christ, the word that was spoken and formed, he is alive. He loves you. And he wants to be in relationship with you. And to those of us this morning who have friends and they don't have a relationship with God and we've been talking with them and talking with them and talking to them, we've shared God's word with them and yet they still have not believed. I want to encourage you to take them on a trip. Take them to the mountains or take them to the coast and then go out at, at night and have them look up at the stars. And then take a moment to remind them that God is the one who created every star in the sky. He created the Little Dipper. He created the Big Dipper. And that same God created them and loves them. And my hope and prayer as you do that with your non-believing friends, that the Holy Spirit would capture their hearts, convict them of their sin, and they would profess faith in Him. For God created the earth, you and me, to share in his forever happiness. So the first thing that we see from our text this morning is that God is creator. Secondly, we see that we are sub-creators. In the beginning of The Lion King, there's a great scene where Mufasa takes little young Simba and they go up and they sit on Pride Rock. And as they sit there, the sun is beginning to set, and they can see the whole kingdom. And Mephasa says to Simba, look, Simba, everything the light touches is our kingdom. A king's time as a ruler rises and falls like the sun. One day the sun will set on my time, and you will become king, and all that you see will be yours. I love this scene because like Mephasa taking Simba out on the high rock overlooking the pride lands, picture God taking Adam and Eve up to the highest place in the garden and saying to them, look out over the garden. Look beyond the garden. Everything that you see. And God says this to them in Genesis 1.28. God blesses them. And says to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. God, the creator of the universe. He invites you and me to be sub-creators with him. And he calls us to do two things. First, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
Harrison touched on this in his sermon in, um, in Song of Songs. One of the purposes of sex is for procreation. God created sex between a husband and wife to do what? To give birth to little precious babies, image bearers. And as they grow, as we grow, then we go out to fill the earth. And we also fill the earth as we, as followers of Christ, bear the fruit of the Spirit. As we bear love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We are demonstrating to the world that God's kingdom exists. We are being God's sub-creators as we meet people with patience, with grace, with gentleness, and with self-control. As we interact with our neighbors, co-workers, classmates, we display the fruit. And in so doing, we fill the earth with the beautiful fragrance of God. We whisper His name. And so what does it mean to be a sub-creator? It means first, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Secondly, it means to subdue the earth and have dominion over it. God made man higher than every created thing. In Genesis 2.20, the man was given the privilege by God to name all the livestock and give names to all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. And in Genesis 1, 29 through 30, and God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit you shall have for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant to you for food. God says to man and woman, like a gardener tends his garden, you are to lovingly and respectfully tend to the world in which God created. I often hear Christians saying that they don't need to recycle or worry about pollution because eventually the world will be destroyed. But Genesis 1 and 2 tells us the world is not going to be destroyed. We are to be good stewards of what God has given. He's calling us to use our gifts, our talents, our resources to take care of the world in which He created. We are to cultivate it, to enjoy it. Because God is not going to destroy the earth. He is renewing it and He's using each of us to be a part of that. When people talk about the arts here at Hope Chapel, people come up and they'll say, you guys have such a wonderful worship team, and there's all these beautiful aesthetics all over the building, and I'm always quick to say that is absolutely not me at all. That is because of Michael Van Patter and all the wonderful artists that we have. But as I was reading Genesis 1 and 2 this week, I felt like the, the Holy Spirit kind of rebuked me a little bit and said, Todd, You're an artist too. You're a creator too. And and I've called you to be my sub-creator. I've called you to use your gifts and your talents to create beauty, to tell stories, to love people, to bear fruit, to disciple folks. 
And if he's calling me, who has very little artistic ability to do that, I'm sure all of you have more, he's calling you too to be his artist, to cultivate, to create beauty, so that when we do, we will whisper Jesus' name to our neighbors, to our family members, and to our coworkers and classmates. I wonder this morning, how are you creating beauty in your spheres of influence? How are you using your unique gifts and personality to build God's kingdom? One of the things that I learned when I was on sabbatical was, yes, God calls us to rest, but he also calls us to work. And yes, because of the fall, there's tool and and work. But every one of us, whether you're at home raising kids, whether you're out, whatever you're doing, you are working, and together we are working to build God's kingdom. How are the places that you enter and the people you interact with, how are they different as a result of your presence with them? And let me just state the obvious. God is calling us to be sub-creators, but left to ourselves, there is no way we can obey Him. As we look at history, Christians have participated in the displacement of Native Americans. We have participated and promoted slavery. And our thirst for more and more stuff, we have contributed to such waste, pollution, and misuse of our natural resources. At times, we've tried to take God's seat as creator and failed. But the good news this morning is that Jesus Christ came to earth. He was fruitful and he filled it. He subdued and practiced dominion over it. Jesus cherished God's creation. He respected every human being that he interacted with, regardless of their beliefs regardless of whether they rejected him or accepted him. He was patient, gentle, faithful, and gracious. He called men and women and children to be his disciples. What an incredible lineage. And what did we do? We nailed him to a cross. And on the third day, on the third day, he rose from the dead. And now he is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And he offers us this morning forgiveness. Forgiveness for our failures. And he also offers us this morning power. His holy power as the Holy Spirit dwells in you. To be sub-creators. To go out and create beauty. To love your neighbors. To love your family members. To boldly proclaim the kingdom of God is here. We can weep with those who weep. Our heart breaks for everything that we see that's going on in our world and even in our own lives. And yet we can be a people of hope because we know that God has not abandoned us. And God has not abandoned his creation. It will get better. It is getting better. And how does it get better 
And I don't know why God chose to do this, but he said, I'm going to make man into my image and woman. And I'm going to make you sub-creators. And I'm going to call you to go out to bear fruit and fill and subdue the earth. To have dominion over it. To proclaim the name of God. And as we do that, I believe we're going to see in Greensboro over these next years, just like back in the 70s, there was a huge revival in Greensboro. The Holy Spirit came over the city and thousands of people came to Christ. We're coming out of a pandemic. We're coming out of a very difficult season. Things look bleak and dark. But maybe, just maybe, we have a revival on our horizon. And we don't want to be behind the wave. We want to be in front of it. And so it starts with each one of us, wherever you are, being his image bearer, being a sub-creator. Jesus says this in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I can't think of a higher calling for each one of us than to fulfill the great commission, to go and make disciples and to testify that God is alive and he created a perfect home. And though, yes, it's been marred, he is in the process of renewing it. And that is good news. And so just as we weep, we also have joy and hope. And so let's share both with our world. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful this morning that you created this world that we exist in. We're thankful this morning that you created man and woman in your image. And we're grateful this morning that you have called us to be a part of your creation, to be sub-creators. What a privilege that is. And I know it doesn't feel like that. Some days when we're grinding it out, 8 to 5 or 8 to 7, some days it does not feel that way when we're changing diapers and cleaning up throw-up. Some days it doesn't feel like that. When we're interacting with neighbors, some days it doesn't feel that way when we look at the news and hear the media. But the truth is, you've created us to be subgraders, and you are on the move. And just as you once created a perfect home that then was marred with sin, you sent your son, and now you're redeeming and restoring all things. And as Revelation says, one day you will come again. There'll be no more tears, no more sadness, no more crime, no more racism, no more moral failures, no more children being gunned down, no more guns. One day we'll be made completely new 
in the world around us. There'll be no more pollution. It'll be beautiful. And we'll get to enjoy it forever and ever and ever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.